For the next several weeks, we're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, in preparing to preach, I was uh, reminded that 2 Corinthians is rarely preached sequentially. Uh, that is, while we might dip into this letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians and uh, extract from it some particular passages that are uh, familiar to us and talk about those passages, rarely, it seems, does uh, someone attempt to, pre to preach chapter by chapter or passage by passage through the book as we intend to be preaching over the next 10 or 12 uh, Sundays. I think that is because 2 Corinthians is perhaps the most personal of Paul's letters. Uh, here we see Paul at his most passionate. Here Paul rants and raves. Check it out later, but he actually rants and raves. Uh, he is on the defensive, uh, defending himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ in the face of opposition from people in the church at Corinth. And so he tells his own story with great conviction and with great passion. And uh, because it is passionate, it's a little bit disjointed. It doesn't unfold in what we would consider to be a logical, sequential uh, fashion. Uh, rather, Paul is here and then there and then back to there uh, throughout uh, the book. We're going to try to make sense out of it together. I hope that you join with me in going through the book, that you don't just come and listen to sermons, but that you take the time to read 2 Corinthians on your own. Uh, it's a long book, but you've got 10 or 12 weeks to accomplish it. So I encourage you just to begin reading in the first chapter and read all the way through the uh, end of the book, chapter by chapter. Today we're in the first chapter, verses 1 through 11. 2 Corinthians 1, 1 through 11. And I see my preaching has already disturbed at least one of us. <laughs> Hear God's word for us today. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. 
so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. May God bless this, his word to us. Let us pray. Father, help us to hear and to obey, to listen, and then to put into practice your holy word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God comforts us in all our troubles. That's Paul's assertion in this beginning part of this letter. God comforts us in all our troubles. We have and will have troubles of various kinds and at various levels of intensity. Paul uses the word flipsis. It's another one of those Greek words that is fun to say unless you have a lisp. Flipsis is the word. The literal meaning of flipsis is a pressing or a pressure or a burden that weighs one down. And figuratively, it came to mean trouble or affliction or anything that presses upon you. For Paul, Philipsis included everything from shipwreck to earthquake, to being beaten, to being rejected by the very people he was called to serve. In chapter 11 of this book, he listed all that he has endured. And that list included everything from going without sleep and being hungry on the low end of the scale to being beaten and left for dead more than once on the high end of this scale of suffering and hardship. Trouble of all kinds, you see. Any kind of trouble that you have experienced or our experience, or see waiting for you down the road to be experienced, is what Paul is talking about here. And he affirms that God meets us in that trouble with his comfort. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Now, that's one of the great spiritual wonders of the world. Many of us have come to take it for granted, but it is one of the great wonders of the spiritual world that the Almighty Creator God not only meets us, but cares about us. The gods of the Greeks and the Romans were apathetic. That is, they were without feeling for the burdens and problems of mere mortals. 
In fact, the Greeks and the Romans thought that to be godlike was to be apathetic, to be untouched and untouchable by the plight of humankind. And the gods only meet with people to exploit them or to amuse themselves with the follies and problems of humankind. But that's not so with the God with whom we have to do. God sees us, and he knows us when we're in trouble, and he meets us with his comfort. The word comfort is repeated in these verses in one form or another nine times. It's a general word that has the sense of encourage or encouragement. The literal meaning of the word is call alongside to help, parakaleo. It's the same word that is translated in the writings of John in the New Testament as paraclete. You might have heard that word, paraclete. Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit whom he would send as another paraclete or comforter. So just as Jesus himself came alongside humanity to help us in our great trouble, which we will celebrate the defeat of this morning in the eating and drinking of the Lord's Supper. Just as Jesus came into our world to help us in our great trouble, our alienation from God because of our sin, so another, Jesus said, would be sent after him who would help us in our trouble. And that one is the Spirit of God who is our helper in our trouble. God comforts us by his Spirit in all our trouble. When he wrote to the Galatians, Paul lists the produce, the fruit of the Spirit. That is what the Spirit of God produces in lives that will allow him to. You know the list by now, I hope. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then Paul says, and this is very important to get in there in, in Galatians, Paul says this, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I think that's a wonderful picture of the possibilities that exist in our personal relationship with this one God has given to us as paraclete, this one who comes alongside us to comfort us and to guide us in life. We can enjoy all that he produces in life, experience all his products in life, love, joy, peace, and all the rest. To get in step with him, to walk with him, since he is the source of our life. To see this one who is called alongside us, present with us in times of trouble. And notice that comfort or encouragement is not only what God does. It is who God is. He is called the God of compassion or mercies. The God of all comfort at his core in his essence, God is comfort and encouragement. It is who he is. This God who is love is also comfort, the God of comfort. And so the comfort we have in our trouble starts with the sense of the presence of God, even in the troubles large and small of our lives, even when the walls and foundations of your world seem to be crumbling and falling down, God comes alongside to comfort. 
God comforts us in all our troubles, not to reduce them to nothing. God does not bring comfort by telling us to ignore our troubles, to pretend that they don't exist, to keep a smile on our face, to rise above them, to minimize them. All of us have had the experience of complaining about something only to be told by a friend, ah, you don't have it so bad. Or it could be worse. Or lately, that's a first world problem if I ever heard one. World-based solutions are often of that kind. They're platitudes that are meant to reduce the size of our troubles. And really, there's little comfort in them. And religious platitudes, I think, are the worst because they bring God into the picture erroneously or fallaciously or spuriously. Religious platitudes are the worst of all platitudes. When God closes a door, he opens a window. You know that because you yourselves have said it to each other. I've heard you. It just doesn't cut it as real comfort. In the midst of grieving the death of their little boy who had just died with a couple 35 years ago now, Dee and I heard would-be comforters say, God must love you very much to allow you to be going through this. There's just no limit to the inane, banal, platitudinous, unhelpful things people say to people in trouble. Cheer up, it could be worse. I cheered up, it got worse. (laughs) This is just like what happened to me. So it's all about you all of a sudden now. I can't wait to see how much you'll learn, how beautiful and strong you'll be on the other side of this terrible happening. God loves her so much that he wanted her in heaven early. God doesn't make mistakes. It's all for the best. A religious platitude is still a platitude. God's comfort is not meant to reduce our troubles to nothing, but to redeem them from meaninglessness. God's activity with us in bringing us comfort or encouragement in our troubles is not in the direction of saying they don't matter or they don't mean anything. He does not minimize them. Rather, he asks us to realize that he is with us and he asks us to walk with him through what we are suffering. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It is the presence of God which enables us to endure. It is the presence of God which enables us to find courage to face what we're facing. It is the presence of God which enables us to hold up under the heavy, heavy, heavy burden of hardship and suffering and loss. Only he is able to take that which is ugly and unwelcome and use it eventually to bless and enrich us and others. So the response of the Christ follower to trouble 
is not nihilistic. Nihilism says it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters, nothing means anything. And it's not fatalistic. Fatalism says everything is predetermined and nothing can be avoided. That's just the way it is and the way it's going to be. Rather, it is walking with God to see what God will do while we are walking through whatever it is we're walking through. And God comforts us in all our troubles so that he is praised. God wants to be praised. It is all about God's glory. The troubles we endure can result in God being praised. Our dealing with trouble has the potential of bringing glory to God. It has the potential of identifying him as the truly significant one in the universe. The one of importance. The one who matters. The one who truly matters in this world and all the worlds beyond. Paul referred to the hardships he and his co-workers suffered in Asia in verse 8. Uh, we're not sure exactly what Paul is referring to here specifically because he was in a lot of trouble in the province of Asia, in the provinces of Asia Minor. Uh, we have a whole list of things to, to choose from as a possibility. It might have been fighting with wild beasts at Ephesus or suffering the 39 strips of, or stripes of, of being whipped by the civil or religious authorities that happened to Paul more than once. Or it might have been that riot in Ephesus that was instigated by Demetrius the silversmith when a mob tried to lynch the apostle and his co-workers. Or it might have been some other persecution encountered in Ephesus or that serious illness that had him more than once at the point of death. He, he wrote, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Now that's pressure. That's flipsis. That's trouble. But he goes on to write, but this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. You see, Paul credits God with delivering him, and he finds this meaning in the hardship and, and the deliverance that we might learn to rely not on ourselves, but on God. God's intent in all we suffer is that we would learn more perfect dependence upon him. That whether in death or in life, that we would glorify him by acting as the dependent creatures we are. That we would learn more and more with each hardship that he is enough that God is enough, that his grace is sufficient. Even the bad stuff can redound to the praise of God. And finally, God comforts us in all our troubles so that he is praised and we are equipped 
to extend that comfort to others who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Are you looking for meaning in the ugly and unwelcome stuff of life as you're experiencing it now? It could be that God is teaching you to be a conduit, a channel, Notice again the difference between a pipe and a plug. A pipe is a throughway. A plug is a stopper. Nothing gets by a plug. Christ followers are meant to be more than depositories of God's grace. God means for us to be conduits through which his grace, including the comfort with which he comforts us in our trouble, a conduit through which that flows to other people. Not plugs, but pipes. And even in the middle of trouble, we should say of ourselves, God's grace comes here. It comes to me, but it's not going to stop here. It's not going to stop with me. I am, by all I am experiencing, being equipped by God to serve others with the very comfort and grace of God himself. And then, as we transmit that grace to others, the core of those who know God's grace grows, and people turn to God and give him praise and give him thanks, the thanks and praise that he is due. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive 